Bow your heads as we go before our Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, may the meditation of our hearts and the words that pass my lips be pleasing in your sight. You are our Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. The word I'm going to reflect on this morning is from Matthew 18. It's the third verse. It says this, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never inherit the kingdom of heaven. You may be seated. So I imagine that the conversations that the disciples were having that led up to those strong words from Jesus probably started out quite innocently, as most conversations usually do. Jesus had just finished teaching the disciples that he was going to suffer, he was going to die at the hands of the scribes, the Pharisees, and the chief priests, and three days later he would rise again. So Naturally, when Jesus starts to talk about death, there's a topic that comes up, and that topic is is heaven. And the disciples start to banter back and forth a little bit about what they think it's going to be like. And then they start to wonder, who's going to be the greatest in heaven? Now, I don't want to fault the disciples for asking this particular question, because the reality is, every one of us men ask questions like this all the time. We ask questions like this because we want to know if we have what it takes when it matters. It's a question that men will ask themselves from this time until they get to be with Jesus. Do we have what it takes when it counts? And so here's the disciples asking a question. I don't know if they're just trying to put their fantasy team together of who's going to be what in heaven. Or if they're looking for bragging rights. Or if they want to think of themselves as being the greatest uh, in heaven. But nonetheless, they are asking this question. And so they decide to take it to Jesus. And the way Jesus works is he gets them to rethink their worldly thinking. He gives them a completely different perspective. He says, unless you turn and become like children, you will never inherit the kingdom of heaven. And since Jesus uses strong language here, uh, it's good for you and for me to ask the question, well, what does he mean? What does he mean to become like children? And so if you're following along in your service folder, I have an outline, a couple, three true or false questions uh, that kind of guide our conversation or a reflection for this morning. There's a place where you can put some notes or hints. Um, the first answer that's a possibility is, is Jesus inviting us to act like children, uh, true or false. Well, here's a picture of a child, nice and innocent. So is this what God wants us to look like and act like? Nice and innocent? This is a picture of men acting like children. Right? The baseball game, affectionately known as Baseball 2017, where eight members of each team well, eight members total were ejected, two of them managers, leaders. Four gentlemen were hit with a baseball, and the benches were cleared three separate times. Okay, so men acting like kids. Well, pastor, come on, don't, don't belittle us with that. It's, we, children are a little bit more innocent than what you saw there. Well, are children innocent? Who here works with kids on a regular basis? I got a whole sea of them right here. All right, All right so... This C can relate to this, and I'm sure if you have toddlers, you can relate to this also. Here are the toddler property laws. They learn this very young. Uh, If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. And I saw this firsthand when my foster daughter ripped the binky out of another child's mouth. 
Oh, gee, great pastor's kid. All right, if, if I can take it, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. And if you lay it down, it's mine. And well, if it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> Children are not that innocent. And, and David kind of punches that up for us in the first hint that we have is Psalm 51.5, where he reflects on his own sinful condition. He says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So yes, Jesus asks a question of us. We need to turn and become like children. But the answer, is he acting us, ask, inviting us to act like children? Well, that's got to be false. And it was probably a pretty easy one for you. But here's one that might not be quite as easy. Jesus wants us to have the faith of a child. Childlike faith is a term that we use on this side of the resurrection often. But do you know something? There's nowhere in all of scripture that tells us to have childlike faith. Huh? Jesus actually in this section of scripture is not talking about childlike faith at all. Uh, so we actually need a little bit more information before we can answer this we take our context, our lens, and we apply what we think it is to the scriptures. And God's saying, no, look at the scriptures and let them speak for themselves. Uh, and so that's what we get to do here uh, for just the next few moments. Since I brought up childlike faith, I think it'd be helpful to maybe make a distinction. Um, there's childlike faith and childish faith. Childlike faith simply just accepts God and his teachings as his word they just accept it it's just okay right you work with children have you ever worked with children and they ask you a question and you give them an answer and they go okay and then they're off doing something else a lot of the times it's well why 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 there's an inquisitiveness there's this longing to know more there's this joy that they have they they it becomes a game they they get to interact with the you the grown-up and they they just want to know more about you or what you think or and they apply that same kind of concept to jesus jesus says he's come okay jesus says he loves you okay they get it they they understand they they seem to just hold on to us and accept god at his word and in Mark, this is where we get the concept of childlike faith. It's, even though it still doesn't use the words, this is where we get it. Jesus says this. He says, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. How do children receive gifts? There's just this excitement. When, if you hand a child a gift, there's just excitement. It could be Oreo cookies and yeah. Right. Christmas time. How did kids open their presents in your house? Do they slowly peel the tape back off of the thing and just, yeah. Uh-uh. The way I've, and this is, this is pandemonium. Presents, paper flying everywhere. They're just going back and forth through all these presents. They open it up, close. All right, toys, yeah! Wonder, joy, it's just great. It's enthusiasm. They just receive the gift simply with open and honest, unbridled joy. What is it to have childish faith? 
We actually just confessed it a little while ago. If you want to look at your confession on page two of your worship guide, feel free to do so. We said words like this. We become offended when certain sins are identified. We don't take seriously other sins that you condemn and we're indifferent to your will on far too many occasions. You can hear this kind of rebellion. We fail to use the power of your love to amend our sinful lives. We get to pick and choose where we want to pick and choose what it is that we believe about you, God. We want to put you in our box. And there are whole denominations that do that. Pick and choose what is true about God's word and what isn't. Because they say that God's, this contains God's word. Where we in our Lutheran heritage, and thank you Lord for this teaching, that we believe that it is God's word. It's wholly inspired. It's useful for teaching and correcting. And we can simply accept God's word for what it is, his promises of love and redemption. We're actually supposed to grow in the faith. And Paul tells us this pretty clearly all throughout Scripture, a couple of occasions, one in 1 Corinthians. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I gave up my childish ways. And then Ephesians 4 He says this, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way to him who is the head and to Christ. Jesus expects us to mature in the faith and yet just to simply receive his word for what it is, this promise of truth. So what we should really do is take the question or the answer, Jesus wants us to have a childlike faith, cross out childlike faith and just simply put childlike trust. And if we're doing that, then we can resolutely mark true. I'm going to give you the go-ahead answer uh, for this next one. Jesus wants us to see our need for him. Go ahead and mark true now if you're already inclined to do that. I'm going to explain this just a little bit. Right after he gives a ultimatum unless you turn and become like children jesus says these words whoever humbles himself like jesus is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and this had to baffle his his followers because in their day and age now remember this is the society that jesus is ministering into the greco-roman society and also the jewish society Um, they believed children were a gift from god However, the only positive attribute that they thought children possessed was their potential in the future. For many, they did not see a child uh, doing much more than just simply being a drain. They, uh, they valued education. They valued reason. It was a society that wanted rational thinking, and children just weren't there yet. They were definitely not role models. Children were susceptible to illness, they were weak, they were susceptible to the will of adults, completely dependent on another person for their very survival. You ever see a picture of a child like the one that you see on the screens, maybe around the holiday times? And often there's, it's a ministry of, of some sorts that will say, hey, these children are so poor and so destitute, they're wearing the same clothes, they're just rags, they're, they have no resources, and unless you intervene, these child aren't gonna make, children aren't going to make it. That's the picture of the child that Jesus pulled into the midst of the disciples. 
a child that needed everything provided for them in order to survive. So Jesus pulls in and uses this radical role model to basically teach the disciples, listen, unless you become like this child, unless you swallow your pride, unless you realize that the only reason why you're going to survive in the next life is because of me, that I'm your ticket for salvation, you're never going to enter the kingdom of heaven. God was saying, if you want to be great in my kingdom, the way up is down. He was saying, if you're going to chase after status and symbols and prestige, well, those aren't my values. Rather, he wanted us to have a faith, a lowly faith that accepted our position as ones that we cannot provide anything that merits God's great love, let alone his gift of salvation. To become a child of God means for us to repent of our pride and to give up our worldly thinkings and to realize that there's nothing, absolutely nothing that we can do to earn our salvation. Now it shouldn't be lost on any of us that Jesus, God, true God, true man, uh, allowed himself to come down from heaven, became a child where he was completely dependent on his parents uh, to provide for his very need for survival until he could until he could grow up to be a man and grow and mature in stature. And then he began his, his earthly ministry. It should not be lost on us that that was God who allowed himself to pay the penalty of the price of our sin. Because Jesus, you and I, we strive to be like him each and every day. However, Jesus is more than an example for us to follow. He's more than a role model. He is our redeemer. And if we need to be redeemed from something, what is that? It's the debt of our sin. It's the debt of our sin. Jesus willingly allowed himself to go to the cross. It was his responsibility, his duty that God charged him with to go there, to pay the penalty of that price so that we could have an eternal relationship with him and not understand those consequences. And that's what he did for us, freely out of his love, his mercy, and his passion. He became that destitute child for you and for me. I love how Martin Luther describes it as he describes the work of Jesus in the, in the Apostles' Creed that we had just recited uh, a while ago. So when it gets to the section about Jesus, Martin Luther says this. He says, Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He's redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness and innocence and blessedness. And just as he has risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity, this is most certainly true. Jesus promotes a, a humble, honest faith that accepts God's word for what it is, and he's encouraging you and I to do that, to become children, children of the Most High God. And we get to simply take God at his word, knowing that he's the Father that provides all good gifts to those who ask. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and lives in Christ Jesus. Amen.